The Exposed Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Podbean. Links below in the description. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is episode 10 of the Exposed Podcast, and I'm here with none other than Tommy Tellerico, who is... Where? I don't know. I can't friggin' see him anywhere. But <laughs> he is now the CEO of Intellivision. Wow, I sound impressive. Yeah. Sounds impressive. Especially among the other things. Man, I remember watching you on uh, Electric Playground back in the day. It's so weird to sit here friggin' talking to you now, to be honest with you. Why were you watching that crappy program? Because it wasn't a crappy program. No. That, that was the dude. That you was watch, were the, you watching? Now were you watching it on G four or G four? G four. G four. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's just so. It's just so weird. It feels like another friggin' lifetime, man. That was so. I remember watching that and, and watching Call for Help and watching all that stuff. And that Leo Laporte. Yeah, Leo Laporte. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He he Great. has something on YouTube now. I forgot what the hell he's doing now. But uh, oh, he was always there. He was he was like back in the day, like before CNET and before that was Leo. Man, he owned that space. He was he was great too. I loved watching all that stuff, and it it sucks because I feel like now there isn't a place for it. But back then, it was so awesome. You know, I think I know. YouTube has kind of filled that void. I don't think it would be relevant again. But plus, and plus, G four fucked it all up too. The the parent company just screwed that up and showed a bunch of cops episodes, right? And uh, the Man Show. <laughs> yeah, it was just so. I don't know what the hell they were, but anyway, that's that's a. We'll talk more about. I, that. I know the answer, but I don't know if I should say it publicly. But because uh, that's what happens when you get a bunch of people who aren't gamers running shit. <laughs> yeah. And they, I think what they thought was they were just looking to get the advertising dollars for getting the views in. So they started selling cops and dating shows and, and right. it just didn't work. And it sucked because I, I loved, especially when it was tech TV. Yeah. I love tech TV, man. Yeah. Tech of the show, all that stuff. So. So what you been up to, man? I think your uh, trajectory has changed for obvious reasons, but what's been going on? I know, right? Uh, I mean, you know, so, you know, in television is obviously the, uh, the big, uh, you know, the big focus uh, of my existence right now. And, um, yeah, we haven't talked in a couple months uh, officially. I mean, you know, we go back and forth on Messenger when we have some funny shit to yeah. tell each other. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, in regards to in television, you know, so, okay, coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. You got to bring it up, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so what it's done to us is basically so, you know, our ship date, 10-10-2020. That's our, our launch date. It's always been 10-10-2020, been that for two years. Um, what happens is, you know, because of the virus, because of the factory shutting down, kind of has this kind of ripple effect. So first thing that happens is everything starts to get backed up. Now, as of this moment, as I'm speaking to you here today on March, whatever the hell March day it is, um, we're still on track for 10-10-2020 launch. How it affects us right now immediately is that we're not going to be able to put out as many, like to manufacture as many of the products as we want, right? Or is that we had originally intended. And by the way, not just in television, I'm telling you, Sony's going through the same thing. Why do you think none of these folks have announced? You think they're like, you know, Microsoft, you know, everybody's going to ha- is going to be pulling back the amount that they wanted to manufacture. So as of this point, we haven't slipped but I can tell you, and not just for in television, but any electronics and other goods as well, that shit is going to be scarce this Christmas. Make no mistake, right? You know, we're affected now. And even if everything, even if coronavirus went away tomorrow, it's still already affected, you know, the, the manufacturing and distribution pipeline for electronics and, and, and other divisions as well, but mostly electronics and the reason for that rich like i didn't know like you know all the ins and ends 
ins and outs of like hardware when I first started this in, in television journey about three years ago. Because, you know, at, at, at the beginning, I'm like, look, I'm going to I want to make this whole thing in the USA, to, you know, freaking USA, go, go America and all this stuff. And that was kind of, um, you know, again, not knowing all of the intricacies of everything. But the reality is, Rich, is that 80 percent of the stuff that makes electronics and, and again, let's specifically talk about in television can only be made in China and bought in China. And that's the issue. And, and, and so what I'm hoping happens from all this and look, you know, love them or hate them. But but you've heard Trump talk about this, you know, for the last four years, which is we got to get out of being so dependent on other countries. Right. And he specifically always brings up China. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, maybe this whole thing, maybe there's a lot of positive to come out of this to go. You know what? we got to start bringing manufacturing, more manufacturing back into the United States or North America, Mexico, Canada as well. You know, maybe this is going to turn into a positive thing down the road where people start to like, wow, look how reliant we are on China. On, uh, yeah, on a foreign nation. So much so, like I said, Rich, if I could... Like, I wouldn't mind. I've always said this to all of our mechanical engineers and designers and all my people in-house. I said, look, if it costs a little bit more to get in the United States, I'm fine with that, right? And what you come to find out is you couldn't – if you wanted to pay triple for it, you couldn't because it doesn't exist. This stuff just isn't even produced and manufactured anywhere else except China. Now, Vietnam is, is, is now getting into, you know, production stuff. You see India is now starting to ramp up. But the reality is, is that even those places, they just don't have the infrastructure in place no. like China does and, and has. So it's going to take them years. And when I mean years, I'm not talking one or two years. I'm talking like a decade to get on the same kind of level and numbers that we see, you know, happening you know, in places, you know, around China. So, so that's, that's the one thing. The other thing that it, it affects us, the other way that that's what's happening in the industry right now is, is that, you know, bigger companies, like this is a big year for like mobile devices, like, you know, the Samsung uh, S20 just came out and all these new things are, are coming up. This is a big year for technology. This was like the cycle for technology, right? You see it in the video game industries about every seven years a new console comes out. Well, now there's three of them coming out this year. Four if you include Atari, but let's not include Atari. Yeah, let's um, not. So... <laughs> So you got in television, Microsoft and Sony. And again, in television, we're not on the same level, uh, you know, production and manufacturing infrastructure as Sony and Microsoft are. But again, it just goes to show you like how if there was any bad year for this to happen, it was actually 2020 because of all the new technology and new things coming out in cycles. So what happens is all those big companies start buying up all the components all the chips, all the, you know, and that because now people are in a state of panic. And so we use a very, uh, I don't want to call it a common chip, but it's a it's a brand that everybody knows. It's a brand that's very, very popular, especially in smaller, you know, handheld devices, tablets, mobile, whatever. And so all of a sudden now, our chips, which we could have got within six to eight weeks, are now saying it could be four to five months. You know, so it's like it, wow. for the quanti- for the quantity that we want, it's like yeah, we'll give you like ten thousand of them. But of course, because we can only give you ten thousand instead of a hundred thousand, the price goes way up because you know electronics and components are all about buying in bulk. So if you buy a million, it's like four cents if you buy a two hundred thousand it's twelve cents and if you buy ten thousand it's twenty cents so now they really got you by the short ones right because they're saying like well look we can't you can't fulfill the order that uh that you want and because we don't have it or we have to spread it around among all of our folks um 
oh, and by the way, when you only order it at this unit, you have to pay more for it. So it's like, no, <laughs> you know, oh, God. And, and so it is, you know, and, it, and it's tougher. Again, I'll be honest, it's tougher for a smaller company like us. We don't have a billion dollars in the bank like all these guys. We don't have you know, the amazing infrastructure and this and that. We have a very specific you know, budget and, and, uh, financing and uh, all that stuff is, you know, planned out and we've been hitting every milestone and this and that. So you come to these, you know, kind of, uh, barriers in the road, but that's the great thing about, about our team, about the love and the passion that we have, uh, you know, and AAA rock stars that I've sniped from all over the industry and all over the engineering community to come together. And we're, we're all just, it's like a brotherhood and sisterhood of, of people who get up every morning, you walk in the office and you just feel the excitement, you feel the energy. And so, and why that's so important is when things like this pop up, you know, okay, boom, you're traveling down the road. And we all know, every one of us know that every single day, we're going to be hit with some kind of challenge. Now the week will give up, turn around, complain, you know, delay, whatever, whatever. Our team is always like, we know stuff's coming down the road at all times, right? We're always prepared. And we might not know the answer at this point. But what we do know is we're all super passionate, we're all super excited, and we're going to figure out when that barrier comes in our road, we're going to figure out, we're going to either jump over it, we got to figure out how to get around it, dig under it, or smash through it. There's always going to be a way for us to get through these challenges. So this is a big challenge. Like this is a bigger, you know, a bigger thing. And so, but right now, like I said, the only way that it's affecting us currently is that we're not going to be able to put as many machines in the market this Christmas as you wanted. Now, if the worst case scenario is, geez, we only get 50,000 machines out there and everybody loves it and everybody's trying to get one and no one can find one and they're selling on eBay for a thousand dollars by Christmas. If that's the worst case scenario for us, Hey, that ain't the worst thing in the world, Rich, no, right? I not. mean, you know, the cabbage patch syndrome, you know, cabbage patch kids. So if anything, it may actually make people want what they can't have. And, you know, it's not like right. you're purposely doing it to diminish supply. So that happens it's just due to circumstances. That's what happens. So, that may actually, you know, strange way work in your favor. I so. know, right? I mean, I, you hate to say that, but we, that's we kind of say. You know, the other thing that kind of, if you think about it, works a, a little way because we always try to make lemonade out of lemons. You know, the other thing that that you think about too is that, like, look what's happening. You know, schools are closing. Everybody's being say, stay home, stay home, stay home. You know, if that kind of thing is still happening by the time we, we release. P- People are going to be pretty much sick of Netflix at that point. Like, here's a yeah. home system where everybody can play it. It's like, you know, this is the perfect thing to keep families at who are at home busy and, and happy. And, and, you know, so uh, we, we look at it kind of like that as well. I, I'm, God forbid it, it goes all the way to, I mean, let's hope this is over within, you know, 30 days, right? I mean, that, that's the dream and hope, but but it is kind of, you know, interesting. We keep saying, gosh, we wish Amico was out now because more people would be playing. And by the way, I don't know if you, like, you, you know, like, so we get all these reports, right, and watch the data. I got news for you. In China, last month, online play went through the ceiling of because course. everyone... Everyone is staying home and more people are now playing video games because they're home from work, they're home from school. So the video game numbers are actually going through the roof. So again, you know, they always say that like when crises happen, one of the last things to get affected in like a down economy, entertainment typically either stays the same and even a lot of times goes up because people now they want to feel happy. They want, you know, there's so much like you, you look at the news today and it's all just like 
well, like, oh my gosh, what's the next thing that's bad? Like, I'm a big Formula One fan, and I was getting all excited. The Formula One, the first race was this weekend. Ferrari showed up in Australia a couple days ago, and they're they're you know tweeting and everything. And then they announced this morning they're canceling the race this weekend. I'm like, oh, you know, so NBA, base, Major League Baseball is now delayed. So it's like wherever you go, and it's like all this bad news, bad news, bad news. So, um, so we decided, you know what? And we're going to start coming out with good news today. We started today, and um, what we announced is that next Tuesday on St. Patrick's Day, uh, Tuesday, March 17th, we're releasing a brand new trailer. Uh, It's a three-minute trailer, and it's not me talking or any fancy graphics or, you know, fancy title cards. It's three minutes of straight-up gameplay from Amico featuring 22 games and about half of them I've never even talked about before or have, uh, have even, uh, seen. So people are going to see 22 games next Tuesday. And so, and we, we actually released a couple of screenshots. Well, we're going to release a screenshot a day. We released the first one today of our, uh, in television auto racing game. Uh, looks, it's really cool. It's like very stylized, you know, for me, games, the most important thing about games is the fun factor. It's the playability, right? And I think in this modern day world, people get so hung up, uh, or even developers and game publishers and, and hardware manufacturers, it's all about the graphics because they got to like, how can we show you that this system or this game is better than the last one you played? And for us, it's like, wait a second, isn't the most important thing in the planet gameplay and fun? You know, is graphics become that important? And it has for like some machines and the hardcores, but that's that's our whole philosophy is let's bring it back to like what it used to be. In the old days when we made games, we didn't have the graphic capability, just like the audio. We didn't have symphonies and, 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 and things we could record. So you had to do something great with what you had. If it was bleeps and bloops, then you had to focus on the melody. If you didn't have a lot of fancy graphics, then you had to focus on the playability and the gameplay and the this and that. And that's kind of our philosophy in modern day. Uh, and it's, I think it's different. If you look throughout history, though, that you, what you're saying has been proven true. The console that has sold the most units in general was never the most powerful. Exactly. When we're seeing it happen now with the Switch, right? Yeah. Last year, the Switch outsold the Xbox and the PlayStation uh, for the year, and Nintendo completely p- passed the Xbox in total sales. So, Which that, there you so go. That drive that is incredible. Who the hell would have saw that coming? <laughs> I would I would have bet against that. I got to be honest, right? I me too. And not and think about it. The the switch came out in tw- March of 2017. So yeah. it, it was basically 3 years and change after the Xbox 1 was released. So it like did a lap around it. In, in half the distance. Yes. It's yeah. insane. In half the time. You know, it, the yeah, switch, the switch yeah, the switch is crazy, man. It, it it just shows that you know, you can't I mean, I thought of coming from the Wii U that I'm like, oh, Nintendo's going to do it, try to do it again. Here we friggin' yeah. go again. But they, they, yeah. they, they, uh, the chipset was a smart move. And again, yeah. like what you were saying is that it shows that you don't have to have the top tier hardware to do the sales numbers because in mo- in all cases, virtually all cases, that hasn't been the case. Well, you know, it's it's funny because you know I'm 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 on the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, and I. Uh, I've, I've been on since the beginning and I'm one of the uh, judges, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, the, the game, not only game, game of the year, they give it to everybody, but I do, I specifically do like the audio and music category and things like that. And, and, you know, it's funny. I went to the awards show in, uh, it was in February at the dice conference in Las Vegas. And, uh, and, you know, you see all these amazing games that came out last year and you know which wins, which what game won game of the year and best graphics and all this stuff. The Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> you know? It's like, that, and it was up against you know Kojima's stuff and, and like all this like incredible things, right? It's like Kojima's. Uh, oh gosh, I, I already forgot the name of the game. What was um, Death Stranding? Death Stranding. That's it. Thank you. That's, like, what does that say? I, I just I already forgot it, but. Um, 
beautiful to look at, but but I'd rather play the goose game as opposed to Death Stranding. That's just me personally. I really no, I'm, I'm the same damn way, man. I'm so like I'm so tired of picking up a game. And look, I like story when it's integrated well. But when yeah. a game becomes a movie, I just can't take it. I can't. <laughs> That's why I've sat down and tried to have played the Elder Scrolls Skyrim probably 75 times in 75 different platforms <laughs> since it's released. Not saying it's a bad game. I know many everybody people, loves it. You got to appreciate it, but right? You I, gotta, I can't. Give it its kudos. I can't sit there through the dialogue. I did like the. Uh, I'm like, with I, you. That's my problem. I mean, you know, that could be, but I was always that way. I remember back when Final Fantasy VII came out, my friend. You're like, <laughs> My friend Tim brought it over. He's like, this is the most amazing game ever. And I'm just like, eh, it's turn-based. And they talk I a lot. I hate turn-based games. I hate, I, I I, again, everyone's different. Me personally, yeah, I hate turn-based games. Yeah. But but I but again I appreciate them I respect them I understand why others like them too so I'm not I'm, I'm not putting them down me personally I you know it's not my bag of oh tea. yeah that, me too my it's cup just, of tea my bag of tea my cup, tea bag cup, it's cup of tea hopefully it's not your tea bag <laughs> but, no I, I'm the same like you know everyone's different and people may think that I, oh Rich you just like the dude bro shooters everyone you know I was I was always right. one playing beat 'em ups as a kid instead of the RPGs but right you know it, it, it's one thing I don't like is a trend where games are trying too much to become movies. And And, and, and don't you see a lot of that? Like the last, this last generation was like that. Yes. Yes. And it, you know, I thought Zelda did it right. Right. Breath of the wild. Miyamoto is a genius and that team over there is, they're the geniuses of course, but you know, they, they, they put it in there. So it's like, you cared about it and you cared about how to get to the next thing and why you needed to get, but it was like, you know, five hours of gameplay, and here's a minute of cinematic. Next. <laughs> yeah, it didn't that's, beat that's you over the head with it. it. It didn't beat you over the head with it. Exactly. I agree. And when I play a game like Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, which the gameplay of that was a little bit... I haven't bit, seen that one yet. It's a, it's a, I like it, but it, it was disappointing compared to the when they came out with the one in 2014. But it just it starts with such... A long cutscene. I'm like, you're a first person shooter, man. I just want to kill some fucking Nazis. I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it was excellent voice acting and everything, but it's like, it's too much like movies. And that's where I think, I almost think developers are like, okay, we have to make something next gen. We got to make something triple A. And they, they, they overthink it, I think is what the problem well, you, is. You saw it happen with, uh, one of my favorite, uh, you know, game franchise designers of, uh, over in Japan, you know, the guys who did Eco, right? So, like, Eco came out, and I'm like, oh, my God, this was so awesome. And then the follow-up to that is Shadow of the Colossus, which was even more amazing even than Eco. And I was like, oh, my God. And and I was so excited for Last Guardian. And I'm like, I can't wait for The Last Guardian. And then they delayed it, and then it came out, and then it was off the – and it took like whatever, whatever. And I finally played it in the anticipation. And I'm like, and there's the storyline drags out and the controls aren't as good. And it's like, oh, no, what do you do? Like everything that, that made the first two games why I enjoyed them, it kind of went away from that, you know? And I was like, no. It was kind of like what Nintendo did with the Wii U. It's like, here's all the great things that the Wii had. Everybody could play. It was very simple. Everything's about multiplayer. And and then it's like, Wii U, first of all, why'd you call it that? Dumb dumb idea. Everyone thought it was an Every, extension. Including Reggie. Including Reggie. Yeah. He didn't like it either. Yeah, exactly. And he was correct for that. Uh, you, Reggie, you mean that new GameStop employee? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so weird. We could talk about uh, that. He's on, so you know what? Here's the deal. If anyone can, can you know, help... Uh, help GameStop. It's it's probably that guy. So I hope he. I hope he. Uh, I hope it works out. You know. Um, but anyway, yeah. And then they came out with the Wii U, and it was more of like solitary play, and, and it's like you did the exact opposite. What the hell are you think? But anyway, it, but the thing with the Wii U too is that it was so poorly marketed. I remember after a couple of years after that system yeah. came out, it was in my apartment. I remember having friends over, and I remember so she said to me, she's like, oh. What's that thing? I'm like, oh, it's the Wii U. She's like, oh, is that an add-on for the Wii? And this is a couple right. years after the yeah. cons. They marketed it. wasn't a bad system, but they just marketed it so damn poorly. Yeah. Well, it was tough, too, because, like, you know, if you wanted to play, you know, because, you know, with Amico, we always talk about how everybody has their own screen 
and a centralized TV, right? And and that's, you know, take a game like Texas Hold'em. Everybody's got their two cards and the flop is on the screen. It's like, wow, you could do so many cool games like that. And with the Wii U, if you wanted to buy another controller that had the screen, it was $179, right? So I don't even think it would work. Would it work with? I only think it could work with one of those controllers, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong, but. But either way, that makes it even worse. I mean, that solidifies right? your point. Yeah, you, that you wouldn't even use it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, we're, I mean, we're excited. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, full steam ahead here. Um, you know, if things get worse, then then things are going to get more scarce and whatever. But here's, a, you want an exclusive? I, sure. I want to give you, I got to give you exclusive, some kind of exclusive. Um, Review Tech USA exclusive here. Um and I haven't told this to anyone because it's going to be in our press release. So, so we're so we're, I told you we're, we're doing a, the trailer is on Tuesday, March seventeenth, and then we're also releasing a press release. We're doing a press release as well to go along with that. And the one thing that the press release is going to say, and it, I'm kind of saying this because it ties into everything we were talking about before, which is uh, what what we what we're, we decided to do. So we did we did this um, founders edition a pre-sale, uh, pre-order of our Founders Edition. And did you see how many I did? I did 2,600 of them. <laughs> ah, the, for the OGs, they'll know what that's about. I didn't even think of that until now. The OGs will know what that means. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I, you know, I want to poke a little fun at our, our friends at Atari. It was, it was originally called the Atari 2600. So, uh, and of course, Atari seems like they're having all sorts of, you know, Atari VCS issues now and so you, you, you hate to see uh you know you, you hate to see it but anyway so we did 2600 founders editions and we sold them at 299 dollars they were a premium unit because we we did the special limited uh wood grain vintage wood grain editions but we also added a whole bunch of stiff we, we added a 50 dollar rfid metal laser cut card which when when the system comes out you can tap it on the system and it puts fifty dollars in your digital store uh we did a signed lenticular poster so the whole team that created the hardware is going to sign the back of the poster and it's like the running man um oh i i individually hand number and sign all 2600 units oh, on God. the bottom of the machine uh we did a founder's pin like a wood grain and gold Founders Edition pin. We did a Founders Edition patch. I threw in a bunch of CDs, like physical and digital CDs, like the Earthworm Jim soundtrack and all this stuff. And we and so it was a premium product, two ninety nine. We did twenty six hundred of them on sale. Rich, they sold out in under five hours. So because a lot of people were like, oh, we don't know. Everybody likes, you know, says nice things about it online, but will people really put their money where their mouth is? And what we did is, because I wanted to be fair and I didn't want it to seem like it was some Kickstarter crap. Um, so what I did was we said, look, in, in order to get yours, to reserve yours, you put $100 down, which is 100% completely refundable at any time. Because we needed, we needed to have people, like, commit to something. Because if we said we're doing 2600 and they didn't have to put any money down, then people could have like, you know, oh, I want one, I want one, I want one. It's not, it's not like a real serious commitment. When we have to answer to like retailers and investors and all this stuff, it's like they want to see real, you know, real numbers and real commitments. So it's like $100 down, that's a real commitment to somebody. But again, 100% refundable at any time because I don't want you to think we're like, you know, taking your money or using your money. You get it back whenever you want. So that was that, and that was very successful as the end of January. But here's an exclusive I want to share with you. On Tuesday, we're announcing that we're going to be doing a VIP uh, pre-order that's launching on March 31st, and we're going to be making three of the consoles available, including the vintage wood grain, uh, the black one, um, which we're calling... Um, Oh, crap. Oh, graphite black. Uh, and then the third one uh, is the white one, which is like we're calling it ivory white. And we've we've actually changed 
the, this is this is all exclusive stuff right now. I haven't mentioned anybody, but we've actually changed the 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 the, the sheen and the uh, paint on the black and the white ones because uh, I used to call it obsidian black because obsidian's very shiny, and you know, so we had this like high gloss black one, and it was so funny. That's what we were planning on doing: the high gloss black and the high gloss white. And then one day we were, you know, because we manufacture a lot of them just by hand, just to, like for our test units and stuff. And one of our mechanical engineers, you know, he just kind of spray painted it and he was out of like white gloss and he, he bought the wrong color paint, the spray paint. And it was a white matte. It was a matte finish. And, and so he like sprayed it and, you know, it looks glossy. And, and then after a while, he brought it back inside and he's like, oh, damn, it was out. And then we put it together and, and we're all sitting around there going like, that is so freaking cool. <laughs> like, like, we, we, we actually like that better than the gloss. So this was like about a month ago. We haven't told anyone this. So, so, so we changed the color. We're like, okay. You know, we, we, we went and we got a different kind of plastic and a different kind of, you know, uh, you know, sheen on it. And, we, you know, so we went with this completely matte finish. And then we're like, wait a second, let's try this. I wonder what the black one would look like in a matte. Because all, all video game consoles, they're always uh, shiny. You know, it's gloss, you know, PlayStation or whatever, you know. We're like, let, let, let's try a flat matte black and so we and we're like and and then it has like this gunmetal around it so it's like a two-tone so it's like this flat black with it and we're like oh my god this looks even cool it's like a slate kind of, it looks so cool so anyway so we changed that and um and so anyway yeah so we announced that we're doing a, a special vip pre-order and we're, we're launching that on march 31st now it's it's not going to have any of the same stuff that the Founders Edition, the Founders Edition was a special thing. Two ninety nine, like I said, it was two hundred ninety nine dollars. Had like four hundred plus dollars of value in it. This one's going to be a lot less than that, um, and and the price is going to obviously reflect that as well. The pre order price is going to reflect that, and uh, and yeah, but we're going to add a bunch of new VIP stuff, and uh, so yeah, we're announcing that on Tuesday, that which will be available on March thirty first. So it's interesting, all these kind of little as you're making the hardware, all these things that kind of you know, pop up and kind of change on the fly from mistakes. <laughs> kind of just, yeah, just kind of creep up through the process. So mm-hmm. you got to I- explain to me with as much as you can explain. My yes. biggest, I guess you could say concern, yeah. is the controller with a platformer like Earthworm Jim. How the hell is that going to work where it's comfortable and responsive? You mean one of these? Ah. You mean one of these, Rich? Yes, please show it. because that's one what, of these? It's got a little... Uh, a little Amico carrying case that we're going to have available. Ooh. So this is a, um, oh, shoot, I hope it's plugged in. Yes. Okay. So first of all, there's something you you said there. This is the controller working. You see the screen. I'll I'll go through some stuff with you. So uh, first thing you said there was a side-scrolling platform game like Earthworm Jim. So what makes you think that 25 years later, the same amount of guys are going to do a platform game. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... Assu- I'm just I mean, assu- well, here, here's, the, here, here's the thing. Um, you know, when we all did Earthworm Jim back in the day... Now, if you think about Earthworm Jim, the first two, one and two, because we didn't do that shitty, horrible third one. Um, we did one and two. And if you think about Earthworm Jim as a game, there were platform levels... But there were also, you know, like the Andy Asteroids level where you're on a rocket. We had all these little mini games. We had the bungee snot thing where you were bungee jumping and trying to hit the guy in the wall. We had a lot of different gameplay elements. But when people think about Earthworm Jim, they think rightfully so because it was rightfully so because it was the majority. They think of Earthworm Jim 2D side scrolling platform game. But the reality is when we were all sitting down and designing Earthworm Jim and figuring it all out, we wanted to do so many amazing things that we couldn't because we just had the technology of a Genesis and a Super Nintendo. And that was so, so a lot of the stuff was 2D. So all of our best ideas never made it into any of those games. And so when the team got back together after 25 years 
And uh, we got together for the first time. Uh, when was that? Back in it was about six, eight months ago. And we spent the whole weekend together. We rented a big, giant mansion on the top of a mountain. And it was just, oh, the first night was all just catching up and, and talking about the old times. But by day two and day three, we were just the ideas. Oh, remember we were going to do that? Yeah, we can do that now. So, so we've literally been waiting for a system like Amico to come into existence so that we can do the earthworm gym game the way we really, really wanted to. Um, and so, uh, you know, everybody, so, you know, doing multiplayer stuff again, back then we couldn't really do multiplayer. There was no online stuff. Well, we were always about couch co-op, but it's like couch co-op for the Genesis was two people, That's right? A, yeah. Well, now we can do as many as we'd like, you know, or whatever. So the ability that everybody has a touch screen, the ability that everybody has a microphone and a speaker in their hands. That's something very interesting. Think about that for a second. A video game system where there's a central screen and everybody has a speaker and a microphone. Think about some of the ideas. So, And this is the type of stuff, Rich, that like, from a game design standpoint, the things that, you know, that we're coming up with, not only on the Earthworm Gym team, but... But, you know, all of our developers, you know, we have over 40 games in, uh, you know, in production right now. And every one of them has something different that no one's ever seen before or, or you know, played before because of the technology. But to get back to your original question. Um, so, you know, you see, actually, I'll, I'll show you, I'll share with you some of the upgrades. Now, the reason gray is because these are you know the the shells are 3d printouts right so that's why it's gray but one of the big upgrades that we made rich over uh you know about four or five months ago is that we decided to go with a capacitive touch screen instead of a resistive touch so a resistive touch those screens um are the ones that you kind of have to push down a little bit they're not as accurate they're older technology but they were a lot less expensive and so it's like, well, let's try that because we, our whole thing was we want to try to keep the price at around one ninety nine, under one ninety nine. We got to try to do under one ninety nine, and is and is and then it's like, you know what? Let's try the capacitive touch screen. Now, a capacitive touch screen is the same exact screen that you have in all your mobile devices, right? Except for us, and you can see, but this, if you can hear that. It, it's a, it's like a plexiglass. So if you drop it, it's not going to break like your mobile device is going to break, right? Um, but I just want I want to show you this. Oh, you can see the uh, that's the uh, the. Can you see that little blue ball? Yes, it, I see it. Yep, I see it. Yeah, it's it's moving around. We're it's showing you the gyroscope and the accelerometer working. Uh, it's just our little demo. But I want to show you this. So this screen here, uh, there's some bad reflection. So I'm going to try to get close. But do you see that? Okay. You see how it's look yeah. look how smooth and clean that is. Like no matter how fast I go, boop 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 boop. You know, and I, I take it boom. And it's so silky smooth and clean. And that and, and, and I'm barely touching it too. Like if you can see from the side, I'm like just barely you know, so it, it's it's like, you know, perfect. And so when we saw this in and we put it in, we said, you know what? We have to go with this. So we started upgrading, you know, all of the parts. Now, here's something else. You'll see all of our buttons light up. So every you see, you see that I, we, I got it set on blue right now, but you can see it light up. And then the disc lights up as well. Now, is the disc also a directional pad? The, the whole thing is a directional pad. So most D-pads have eight positions. Up, down, left, right, and then the diagonals. So every single D-pad that you, you've ever had has eight directionals. But watch this. I'm going to show you here. It's, it's going to light up, but see if you can see on screen. See all those little dots? Okay. We have yeah. 64 directions. So our D-pad has 64 directions. And you see that green bar on the top? What's yes. happening is the, the harder I push it detects that as well. So what we've done is combined analog and digital together. So it has pressure points as well, the harder I press down. So, so when, you, when you talk about, let's talk about a, um, 
uh, a platform game, for example. Well, normally you would play a platform game. You'd have your left thumb on the D-pad and then either the shoulder buttons or buttons here on the face, right? Mm-hmm. The great thing, so, so, so if we wanted to do a platform game, you hold it like this. And now you don't just have an eight position, you actually have a 64 position. So when you're doing games like, like think of a game like Echo the Dolphin, for example, um, or the original Earthworm Jim, when you only had eight directions and you could only fire up, diagonal, left, down, that was the only way you can fire. Imagine being able to now fire in 64 directions or if you're a dolphin swimming, how you can kind of, you know, make those sweet, you know, really nice curves and things like that. And now analog sticks are very much like this as well, but analog sticks, you know, they jut out. And we did a lot of market research. And when you put dual analog stick, like like take my dad, for example, um, you put a PlayStation 4, Xbox controller, or even a Switch controller in my dad's hands, he has a panic attack. It's like, oh, there's so many buttons and these sticks jiving out. And this, this, this. and then, you know, what's, big, what's Sony's big announcement? Um, hey, we're going to add even more buttons on the back. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. so you got, you got two on the top and then you want two more back here. And then there's more of it. Anyway, and I love Sony, so I don't want to seem like, I, uh, but, but it's just funny. The mentality of hardcore gamer is let's, you know, or, or the companies that cater to hardcore gamer is, Let's do more graphics. Let's do more. Uh, let's do more buttons. Let's do more. And again, that's cool for a lot of people. But boy, you're missing. You're just the average gamer. You know, because think about this. You know, three billion people play casual games every day, but there's only two hundred million hardcore gamers. Right. So that's how it it's like seven percent, seven percent of the people who play video games, only seven percent are hardcore gamers who are playing on consoles. What was the number you said for how hardcore gamers in terms of how many people? Two hundred million. So think about that. Add up PC, PlayStation, Xbox and Switch. Right. So, you know, the numbers on Switch are about 55 million. Uh, at, uh, PlayStation passed 100 million. You got about, I think, 30 million Xboxes, tons and tons of PC gamers. And of, of course, there's crossover. Like you're a perfect example. You're, you're a cross, you're one person. So, you know, but you probably do PC. You probably do Switch, maybe PlayStation, maybe Xbox. So, but if you add up the number, that's what the statistics tell us is that there's 200 million people on the planet Earth who, who consider themselves a hardcore gamer, meaning they play either PC, Xbox, PlayStation, or Switch. 200 million people in the world. Three billion people play casual and mobile games every day. It's insane. And that's really our target audience. That's the audience that we're going to... Now, do I think that hardcore gamers are going to buy our system? Absolutely, I do. I really do. Now, they're not going to buy it instead of a PlayStation 5, but this might be a great secondary machine for them that, you know, because we're all about couch co-op and group play and simple, easy fun. So when when their non-gamer friends come over or maybe their family comes around for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, this is the machine they'll pull out, just like we saw with the Wii. Everybody would, you know, all the hardcore gamers, when their parents or people, non-gamers came over, they weren't like pulling out the Xbox. Well, maybe for Just Dance or something, but you know what I mean? Like everybody was on the Wii. Oh, let's all play Wii bowling. And it was simple, easy, fun. So that's kind of, you know, that's what we're going for. So I think we're going to get some hardcore gamers as well. We're not going to be marketing to them. You know, our go-to-market strategy is more about like, you know, the moms, you know, millennial mom, young moms uh, with kids. Because when you think about it, Disney's biggest license ever was is frozen how many frozen games were on the home consoles i don't switch xbox playstation how many frozen games were there i'll tell you rich zero not a single one what does that tell you about the state of the video game industry and you know the only the only frozen game that ever came out was on mobile and it was a match three game 
targeted to parents, not 10 year old girls, targeted to parents so that they could, you know, suck as much money out of you as possible. Right. The only frozen game. And that was their biggest, biggest franchise ever. Right. And that goes to show you. So, like, you know, like how crazy and how different the, the industry um, has become. So. So. So, yeah, you can do that now. Other games. You're going to love this. Other games. Because remember, we have a gyroscope accelerometer in here. So you can hold it any way you want. So I, I just explained how you could do like, you know, you do like a, you know, you could do a, a, a typical, you know, side scrolling type game if you want. Now, let's take a game like Missile Command, Centipede, Pong, stuff like that. Now, those games you had a rollerball, right? Missile mm-hmm. Command and Centipede, right? Now, have you ever tried to play a game like Missile Command or Centipede with an analog stick or a D-pad? It's a nightmare. Yeah, it is. Absolute nightmare. Can't do it. Unplayable, right? But what if now I've turned this around, so now my left thumb is on the screen. Imagine playing Missile Command, and wherever your thumb is on the screen, that's where the reticle is on the big screen, right? So now, or Centipede, you're controlling like this. Or if it's Pong, you're going up and down, like this, right? And so now this becomes the input device. And by the way, remember you have this, the big D-pad? Well, guess what? All of a sudden now, now it's one big button. Or it could be a directional button. Like for Missile Command, if you want to fire from the center, you press up. You want to fire from the left, you press left. You want to fire from the right, uh, you press right. And now, boom, 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 and you know what I mean? So now it's, like, turned into something totally different. But wait, there's more. Um, you know, a lot of games, again, let's say you're playing a card game or a dice game, right, where you want to hold it up like this because you got the cards here. We have a dice game, and we're showing the big demo um, on Tuesday as part of our trailer. We're doing uh, We're doing a dice game. And what happens is, again, everybody has a controller. Everybody has a screen. So when it, so you, you see your dice on the screen and so you can shake the dice. And again, it has a little speaker here. So you hear the dice shaking in your controller. Now, remember everybody who's sitting there and and don't forget, you can hook up your mobile device and up to eight mobile, eight devices can be connected to the, to the Amico at once. So, so if you, um, so imagine you have four or five friends over, two of them have controllers, other three are on the free downloadable app, right? And and uh, and everybody can be shaking the dice just on their own screen. And I, then when it's my turn... I think I saw a, that? You, you had a demo at... Um, it, it was on your the YouTube channel. Yeah, it was on the YouTube page, right? Yeah, it was You're going to cool. see that in action in the game. And what's cool is... You throw it up on the screen and the dice go all over the place. So we did it. You saw the demo, right, on our on our YouTube page. You're actually going to see the game, uh, the game in action a little bit on Tuesday. It's still early, but it, it, it looks really cool. And then five, so that's a game, you know, games sometimes like this, sometimes like this, sometimes like this. But wait, one more to go. You see this dangling here? Yeah. Right? So now... When you hold it this way, you know, because that this is now, you know, you can use the disc, you know, to like throw things. So think of something like bowling or cornhole or shuffleboard or darts, um, you know, th- those kind of things. You can hold it like this and, the you know, with the disc, uh, the, the disc movement like this, or sometimes you can hold it like this, or you can hold it like this, like the trigger. That's kind of like how the old Wii, you kind of had that like little trigger action going as well too. So, so this is a thing like, you know, it's really uh it's it's really a diversified uh thing and again you get two of them it's the first video game system in over 20 years uh past two, more than two decades where you've come with two completely separate controllers and look at these things these aren't just like some little plastic things again the disc uh the speaker the microphone gyroscope accelerometer color capacitive touch screen force feedback oh look at this wireless charging 
Yeah, Boom. That's, I see. Yeah, you did that. That's been around for like a while in terms of you advertising that. That's pretty cool. And Rich, the whole thing has RFID in the entire system. So that, including the controllers. So that means I can take my control. I can take my controller. I go to your house. I tap it on your machine. And not only does it automatically connect to your machine, but we can also now play all my games on your system. Because, again, we want to break every single video game mold that's out there. Because a lot of companies, they don't want you to share. They don't want you to share because they want you to, you know, get that other 60 or 80 or 100 now dollars out of you for their thing. We're like, well, wait, we want people to share. We want people to show the experience. All of our games are $9.99 or less. And if, and if you get shown a game that you like and I leave, now you can't play it once I leave because I need my controller to play my machine. So it stays, the game is like on your hard drive, but you can't play it. But if you enjoyed that game, what are you going to do the second I leave? If you liked it, you're going to buy it yourself, right? Yeah. So why do I have to worry about, you know, trying to suck as much money out of people like all these companies do, especially the mobile companies, right? We don't have any in-app purchases. We don't have any in-app advertising. We don't have any loot boxes. We don't have any, you know, uh, uh, you know, paid for DLC or any of that stuff. Screw that. You buy a game. And that's your game forever. I mean, we don't need to try to suck more money out of you. You either like the game or you don't like the game. You either buy the game or you don't. Remember those days, Rich? Boy, what a freaking concept. <laughs> yeah, you just played the game and you didn't have to worry about getting DLC. Well, that's an interesting thing, though, where you could literally just tap, bring your controller to someone else's console, tap it and play the games. It's almost like a free advertisement for you for them to buy it. That's how I look at it. It's It's... Like and again, if the games are great and I know they will be, then yeah, it, it's like uh, it's like we're we're creating our own you know marketing street teams, if you will. You know, our biggest advertisers are going to be our audience talking because because that's the thing. A, a game system like ours, again, I don't have a. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, drinking my own Kool-Aid in regards to in television is just on the same level as Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. No, we're not. We're not even near that. Those are those are billion-dollar companies, right? Yeah. Nintendo's a forty-billion-dollar company. Sony and Microsoft, hundred trillion, a hundred of billions of dollars, right? We're 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 like this little startup with like forty people in the office and and like three hundred outside you know, developers and, and other people working on games for us, right? Um, but we're really smart, and we can make decisions on the move, and we have all these, you know, cool ideas. So, you know, that's the thing. We don't we don't need to do that other stuff that everybody else does. We don't want to. We want to be different, and, and, and we don't have a billion dollars of marketing budget. So the more we understand and know that the best way people are going to find out about Amico is going to be by people telling you about it. Oh, my gosh, you, I have this thing. Or you go over somebody's house and you play it and you have fun with it. Now, that being said, we have a great go-to-market strategy. And it's not about like, oh, let's get Ninja to talk about it on, on YouTube or not YouTube anymore. Um, it's more like... You know, like we're sponsoring the Mom 2.0 conference, the Mom 2.0 Summit, where all the mom influencers come in and we're the main sponsor. You know, all the you know little kids who like, you know, some of these kids on YouTube, they have like, you know, 10 million followers and they just open up toys and stuff. You know, like it's crazy. But but mall tours, um, in-store things. So like when you go to a mall and you can say, Hey, come on in and play and boom, you play it right there and you're right outside of GameStop and come on in and get one, you know? So we, we have to do a lot of different tactics. Oh, and by the way, these are the same tactics that the Wii used. So, you know, the Wii, you couldn't just put a Wii on a billboard. You had to, you know, you had to get it in people's hands and then watch the word of mouth spread and the reason we know that is because all of the amazingly talented women who launched the Wii at Nintendo, Perrin Kaplan, uh, Kelly Horner, all those folks, they left Nintendo after the Wii. 
So they didn't even have anything to do with the Wii U or the Switch. And now they're working with us. So, you know, yeah, so we know. Yeah, so we, you know, so that's something that was really important. And also, we have a brand new, um, well, she started uh, a few months ago, but we our, our, our internal VP uh, of global marketing, again, I try to get the best of the best in the industry. She came from Mattel, and she was the head of all the Disney franchises at Mattel for marketing. Oh, wow. So, so it's like, who do we try, you know, who do we want to get to market to? That's the crowd we're marketing to is, is the ones who are, you know, again, toys, kids, families, families. That's our main thing. And when you think about marketing video games, you never really think of families too much. Nintendo does some of it, right? Nintendo will show some of it. Um, but really, Sony and Microsoft, you know, don't spend a lot of money trying to market to families because it's not really their market. You know, no, there was a, at all. you know, there was an article that came out yesterday where Sony was some higher up at Sony was saying how they're totally embracing single player narrative experiences. That is their main fo- the stuff that we said we hated before. Uh, yes. <laughs> they're all about the narrative single player. And I'm reading this article going, awesome, good. You, you go with that. Um, you know, because we're the exact opposite. Yes, every single one of our games has a single player mode, but every one of our games has couch co-op versus cooperative modes, this and that. And that's where the real fun begins. So I think we have a, we have our own little, you know, niche niche and where we have our own little road and we're going to stay on our path we're not going to co- try to compete with any of those companies we're just doing our own thing simple fun easy affordable boom let's rock and roll so it'll be interesting to see what happens later this year with everybody including you but it, it sounds you know it, it'll be interesting to see what I know the audience that you're looking for, it'll be interesting to see what audience does come to yeah. the Amico yeah. because it may be a bigger one depending on the games that are out there. Well, I, I know it's a bigger one, but I'd sound arrogant. Uh, <laughs> because you, Did you say you would sound arrogant? You broke up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I was going to say, I, I believe that as well, but I would sound arrogant if I told you that now. <laughs> because I Because I know a lot of stuff we haven't announced yet. And we were going to have a big announcement at E3. Uh, that didn't work out for us. But but we're still going to do some fun stuff around E3 with social media and streaming and stuff. So we'll, we're, we're trying to figure that out now. But but one of the, we, we haven't even started to announce some of the amazing partnerships that we have with worldwide known amazing, amazing companies that we're going to get the word out. And again, these are companies and these are things that most video game companies, especially hardware ones would never, never, you know, be partnered with because it's not, uh, you know, again, let's take the Disney frozen thing, right? Disney frozen. And I say we're partnering with Disney. I mean, we're, you know, talking, but, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it's that same thing where Disney Frozen, you'd, why didn't they put it on PlayStation? Why didn't they put it on Xbox? Why didn't they at least put it on Switch? They didn't do that, right? And so it's that same kind of thing. There's so many companies out there that we know are amazing companies, amazing things, amazing sports uh, licenses and things, and, and uh, relationships that typically video game, because these are family things. And most hardware companies, they go for their hardcore audience. That's their bread and butter. That's where they make their money. So there's this whole, uh, here's something that's going to blow you away. If I asked you, so Rich, the video game industry is a $150 billion industry, $150 billion. To give you an idea how big that is, the music industry worldwide isn't even $7 billion. So, so video games are $150 billion a year industry. Now, this is going to blow you away. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, and you can fact check me, and you, if you get all the reports, you'll, you'll see it, and you'll, you'll be blown away. Out of that $150 billion, what percentage of that 
do you think is purchased and spent by uh, by females? Now, I didn't say how, how how much of the industry is being played by females. You know that that number is actually I fifty think, fifty I when you include you may, mobile. I think you may have told me this before, and it's some insanely high number because they're they're the ones yeah. that go out and buy the games, and it's like probably what like 70 percent or something like keep that? going it's 80 okay. percent so think about that 80 percent of all of the money that is spent in the video game industry is spent by women yet there are very 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 few companies and products that are actually marketed to women because you'd say well why would i market call of duty to a woman because we're going to market it to the kid, and then the kid's going to get the mom to buy it for him for Christmas, right? And that's the way the industry goes, and I get it. But what if we had something that mom's going to like as well as the kids, and that she can play as well too, and that she can feel safe about it because there's no violent material, and, and all the games are nine ninety nine and less, and, and blah, 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 and everything's exclusive, and everything's high quality, and this and that. Now, and you can hook up to eight mobile, you can play eight players out of the box for free, all that. What if that happened? Now you can start to see where we can start marketing in places that no one ever thought of before or no one would ever want to because it doesn't reach their demographic in the end. So we got a lot of tricks up our sleeve, and I think we're going to surprise a lot of folks with uh, some of those partnerships we're going to put together and hopefully announcing in June. Okay. Tommy, I was one of the people that actually pre-ordered one of those Intellivisions. I'm interested to try it out. And uh, Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, Matt. Well, what were we going to say? Uh, I was going to say, well, you know, I, if I'm ever in, uh, on the East Coast, uh, I'll bring one with me so that you can play it uh, before yours arrives at, uh, at your front door. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens with everything else going on. But sure, that'd be great. I would love I know, it. right? All right. Thank you so much for coming on. This was episode 10 of the Exposed podcast. Thank you, Tommy. And I'll see you guys real soon. Have a good one. Thanks, Bridge.